Good singing, everybody. Indeed, we are. The scripture, I mean, the song we just sang doesn't say I'm marching onward to Zion, but we're marching onward to Zion, and we are on that march together. And that has something to do with the sermon series that we're currently involved in that I've entitled Life in the Local Church. We'll continue that today, and I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to 3 John, 3 John. Now, if you're not sure where that is, you can really turn to the end of the Bible, to the book of Revelation, and then go back two small books, or maybe just two pages, and you'll find yourself in 3 John. That is, if you're in Revelation chapter 1, just go back a couple of pages, and you'll find this um, almost shortest book in the New Testament, um, it's only um, outdone by Second John, which has 13 verses. Third John has 14 verses. Third John, I'll read the entire chapter, the entire book, and that's what we'll be looking at together today. I want to share with you a message after I've read and titled, What Kind of a Church Member Are You?, Third John reads like this, and this is the word of the Lord. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified to the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you do well. You will do well. Because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Verse 9, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that, He himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. Verse 13, I had many things to write to you, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word to our hearts this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. And Father, I thank you for everybody who's here to be able to, to hear it. Lord, I ask you to use your word today among this assembly. In Jesus' name, amen. What kind of church member am I? Uh, or what kind of a church member are you? You could go either way with that title. Um, we started this series off at the beginning of the year with a couple of messages uh, that I entitled Elders in Church Life, and it's part one and part two. Part of that, in the first one, we went over 1 Timothy chapter 5, where uh, there it actually talks about how to bring an accusation against an elder. And we went through uh, what the Bible teaches on that in order to educate us as a church, better equip us to live out life in the local church. Uh, the second message there from Acts chapter 20, really showing the duties and responsibilities of an elder and the dangerous calling that it can be as they are to shepherd the flock of God who was among them, the elders from Ephesus were told to. And they were even said that ravenous wolves would come in among them. They would rise up from their midst. And so we looked at a little bit of the, the ministry of the elder. Last week, we looked at church membership, and that was an introduction to uh, really this message today as we're looking at membership, and we want to ask ourselves the question, what kind of member am, am I? Um, and, and we'll see from Third John why I'm asking that question, hopefully in a moment. What kind of church member am I? So church membership, and we looked at that last week, and we saw how church membership can be a, a un, the universal church, and then the, the local church. And the thing that's required for both is conversion, where we've come to faith in Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life on the cross for sinners, was buried and rose again on the third day. <clears throat> you know, there has to be a conversion. That gospel has to have made a difference in our lives. And then I talked to you about Last week as well, how the, the physical expression, the physical mark that the New Testament gives for those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ is water baptism, showing that we've been buried with Christ and raised with Christ. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And how that is what the New Testament has given for uh, those who've come to believe the gospel to do, to o obey. So um, with that in mind, let's begin to work through Third John. Because I would dare say that everybody in this letter that I'm going to point out to you were those who had been converted or who had had a conversion experience or who had confessed faith in Christ and been baptized. Everybody in this letter, all four of the examples that we find here. So all of them at some point would have fit that in that criteria. Of course, John, the author of 3 John, wrote some other books in the New Testament. Does anybody know what other books the John wrote? First and second John. Okay, good job, Mark. So you got third John. He also wrote first and second. Any, any others? All right, so John Slater said the gospel of John. And then somebody over here said Revelation. That's right, the book of Revelation. So five books in the New Testament. 
the disciple John uh, wrote. He would not call himself by name in the Gospel of John. Does anybody remember what how what he would how he would refer to himself in the Gospel of John? Yeah, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, so this is this apostle who is also uh, was a, one of the original disciples of Jesus. Let's look at it, and this is really the first example here of a church member. We see John the elder church member. John the elder church member. And we'll see some things about him. Now, I did preach, preach um, this message very similar to the outline back in 2017. If you were here in 2017, would you raise your hand? Right. So good many of you. So the rest of you weren't. So uh, this is, uh, I unashamedly tell you, I've preached this before from the pulpit. Not the same exactly, all the content, but the outline is pretty much the same. Um, and I can't even remember if I had, what influences I had to cause me to come up with this outline. I've had it for many years. If I'm not giving credit to somebody this, this morning, it's because I really don't know who to give credit to. Uh, but I'm sure I got an, an idea, the idea of church membership from someone else and didn't come over with myself. So John, the elder church member, if you look there at verse 1, he's starting, and that's really easy because he says the elder. That's how he's referring to himself, the elder. And he would have been aged, he would have been older by the time that he wrote this. You know, John lived, he's the only one who didn't die by martyrdom, but most likely died a natural death and lived to an old age as an as a apostle, one of the original 12 disciples. He says, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. So the first thing I'd point out to you is his love. You see it there in verse 1. Whom I love in truth. John, though elder, had not grown cold. He calls Gaius beloved four times in this letter. And he says of him, I love in the truth. Going to verse 2. He says, beloved, I pray. And that's the next thing we see, his prayer. He's praying not just for himself. And he hasn't given up on this whole idea of his relationship with Jesus and God. But he is just as vital, just as active in that as he was in the past, if not more so. Because here to, for Gaius, he says, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Going on from there, in verse 3, he says, For I rejoiced. So what do we see next? We see his joy. This elder man had not grown bitter. He was not mad about the circumstances that discipleship of Christ had led him to. Any suffering or imprisonment that he had faced for the gospel wasn't overwhelming him. He wasn't bitter. He says, for I rejoiced. We see his joy. He says, I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. And then in verse 4, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. This old man was full of joy because of following Jesus Christ. I want to take just a moment and remind our children whether you are a teenage child or you are a younger child than that, that just as 
John says here that he has no greater joy than to hear that his children walk in the truth. I want you to know, every one of you children, to know that your parents, who may be sitting right next to you this morning, who got you to church today, they have no greater joy than to know that you walk in the truth. And as a child, as a young person, I would encourage you in all of the goals, in all of the attention that this world tries to get of ours, I want you to know that the thing that you ought to focus on more than anything else is following Jesus Christ and walking in the truth of the gospel. Because no matter how successful you are in life, when it comes to the things of this world, your parents will be most rejoicing over your faithfulness to Jesus Christ. So, parents, if you agree with what I just said, would you say amen to that? <clears throat> so he has no greater joy. The Proverbs 10.1 says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Proverbs 15.20 says, A wise son makes a, glad, makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Proverbs 17.25 says, A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Now, some of you daughters may say, Whew, he's just talking about sons. <laughs> no, it applies to all children, okay? All children, all offspring. Those apply to you. So please, seek the Lord. Seek to walk in the truth. Now, let's see his hope. In verses 13 and 14, this elder had hope because he says here, I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink, but I hope to see you shortly. And we, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. We can sometimes, as we get, get to going in life, think we don't need others. We don't need the church. That wasn't the case with John. This elder man longed to see the face of Gaius and of the church. Now let's move to our second example of a church member. We got Gaius, the beloved church member. I've already told you that it's said four times in here. He's called beloved four times. It's in verse 1 to the beloved Gaius. It's in verse 2, the beloved I write or I pray. And then verse 5, Beloved, you do faithfully. And then again, he says in verse 11, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil. So he loves this man, and rightfully so. What we see, first of all, about Gaius is his prosperity. In verse 2, this is what, his, what John's uh, prayer was about. It's a very unusual prayer, to be, be can, candid with you this morning. It's a, you don't find a whole lot of prayers like this in the epistles. You don't find a whole lot of prayers like this in the Bible. <clears throat> but he, he prays that Gaius may prosper, that he may benefit, that he may grow, that he may be profited. And notice what he says. He says, in all things. So in every area of life, Gaius, financially, materially, in your business, socially, at church, in every way, I pray that you would prosper. And notice what he says next, and be in what? Good 
be in health. I pray you'll prosper and that you'll be in health. Now, we don't know. Did Gaius have some kind of health problems going on? It would seem likely that he did. Well, we don't know for sure. But that had, that had something to do with John's prayer for them, for him. And then he says this. This is interesting. Just as your soul prospers. Gaius, I want you to prosper in every way in life the same way that your soul is prospering. So his, his soul is going up in prosperity. He's growing in the Lord. He's growing rich toward God in many ways in his soul. And then John is praying that the other areas in his life, in all things, that they may grow just like his soul is growing in prosperity before God. Luke 12.21 tells us that we can be rich toward God. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, Paul writes and he says, Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And in Ephesians 3, 16, we are strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. So there is this indeed, this reality of growth within us where we are growing in the Lord. You ever heard that before? Growing in the Lord. Are you growing in the Lord? That's really what it's talking about, this prospering of the soul. Brethren, too often I'm afraid we want to prosper financially. We want to prosper materially. And we forget about the most important area in our our lives, and that's our souls. What does a man gain if he... What does a man... How does it go? What does it say? Profit. If he gains the whole world and loses his what? His soul. So he wants him to to prosper. But we see next his walk in verses 3 and 4. In verses 3 and 4 he says, For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. You see that at the end. I've already emphasized this just a little bit. But his walk, Gaius' walk was in the truth. And now I'm going to summarize this by saying that his walk was according to the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason he was doing the things that he was doing, living the way that he was living, was because of the difference the gospel had made in his life. Jesus had radically changed this man. And because of that, he was living in a a way that reflected that. Now you might say, what is the truth? Because I asked myself that. What is the truth? What does he mean when he said that? You know what verse came to mind? Does anybody think of what verse might have come to mind? What is the truth? Okay, Pontius Pilate asked Jesus that. What is the truth? All right. What, any other verses come to mind? John fourteen six is that what some of y'all said? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So maybe we could definitely say, hey, the truth. Sunday school answer, right? Jesus. It's, it's true. Jesus is this. It's found in him. And John Gaius was walking according to that. Next we see his love. In verse 6. Who have borne witness 
Well, let's start at verse 5 there. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. All right. So Gaius here uh, with his love, it was a love that was borne witness of before the church. Now, his love was seen because in verse 5, he did faithfully what he did for the brethren and for strangers. So apparently in that day, there were, maybe, there were probably traveling evangelists, traveling preachers who would go about and preach the gospel. All right? There were also those who were local that Gaius would have known. So he did apparently many things to help them. He did many things to help the brethren. And then when someone would come along who was a stranger to him, whom obviously he did not know, but yet was doing the work of the Lord, Gaius would also help him. And this, uh, these acts of love that Gaius had performed toward these other believers who were doing the Lord's work, uh, caused the church to testify of his love that he had. So this man is spoken very highly of. And then we see also his ministry. And that's kind of all of this right here in 5 through 8. Because it's the things that I just said to you. But it's also in verse 7 and 8. He says, because they went forth for his name's sake. So that tells us that these brethren and these strangers whom... John, uh, that Gaius rather, had sent forth in a manner worthy of God and who had given much for them to help them. Um, They were going forth for his name's sake and they were not taking anything from the world, but they were relying on the church to help them along the way to provide for their needs. And you see that because at the end of verse 7, taking nothing from the Gentiles. Verse 8, we therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Now, Gaius apparently wasn't the one going out preaching. But he was the one helping the preachers who were going out to preach. And look at verse 8. When he did that, what did he become? A what with the, for the truth? fellow worker. Here's what I would say to all of us as a little point of application. Don't have a short-sighted view of your works, of your good works or your ministry. Don't have a short-sighted view of your good works or your ministry in the church. Because as the body of Christ, we are all needed to fulfill what Jesus has given us to do. And in the ways that you contribute, and I'm not talking about financially or just financially, in the ways that you contribute to the body, to this local church here at New Life Baptist Church, we are becoming fellow workers together in what God is doing through His church. And I would remind you of the importance of us being active in the church, being active in ministry teams. 
which, by the way, we're probably going to be reading up on our ministry teams this next month in February as we did last year. So this is an opportunity for you to figure out where the Lord would have you serve, sign your name down, get on that team, and then work with that team to accomplish ministry in the church, really as we become fellow workers together in the gospel. Gaius was that. John encourages that for them, for him. Now, let's go to our next church member. It's Diotrephes. I'm calling him the ungodly church member. Last time I preached this, I called him the proud church member. But this time I'm going to call him the Diotrephes, the ungodly church member. And I'll show you why. In verse 9, we see his love. All right, you know, oh, Diotrephes has love. Yeah, he sure does. It's like the other two guys. He has love. You'll see what it is in verse 9. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Here's his love. His love was all about himself. He wanted to be in first place. Colossians tells us that Jesus Christ is the preeminent one. He is, has preeminence over all things. He is in first place. But Diotrephes here, that word is used about him. Preeminence, first place in all things. He, he had the, he had the uh, kind of the, uh, the, the phrase that we might hear from children or experience in our own hearts as adults. Me first. Me first. I, I want to go first. That characterized Diotrephes. That's the kind of person he was. And children, if you remember what I said earlier about, the, about walking in the truth and how important that is, this is the stuff that grieves parents as well. When we become focused on ourselves and we don't love or care or think about others and it's all about me, that grieves parents. And we've all been guilty of that. Proverbs twenty five twenty seven says, uh, It is not good to eat much honey. So to seek one's own glory is not glory. So his love, he wanted to be in first place. We see also his pratting. Now, does might have a different word in your Bible besides pratting? Anybody? Talking nonsense. Is that what your translation says? Yeah, it's a note on mine too. I didn't know if that was a translation or not. Talking wicked nonsense. Okay. So really, this is his deeds in verse 10. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds. All right, so this is one of his deeds. And one of his deeds is him running his mouth, saying, um, talking nonsense, talking things that are evil. And it says there in verse 10, against us with malicious words. So he was talking against the apostles, against John at least. Maybe against all of the apostles who were still uh, alive at that time. He was talking nonsense against those who were serving in the church, who were leading the church. But we see also his forbidding. So this... uh, John writes to him, to Gaius, about Diotrephes. He says, Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, pratting against us with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren. This is his forbidding. And forbids those who wish to. 
putting them out of the church. Here's what apparently was happening. These brethren that Gaius was supporting and helping, when they would come to the church, Diotrephes um, would not receive them. Uh, and then when Agaius comes along and wants to receive them and help them, Diotrephes says, oh no, if you're going to help those guys, you're not going to be a part of my church. Or maybe something along those lines. That's his attitude at least. So you see that at the end of verse 10, that he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. That was his forbidding. He spoke against the apostles and he was forbidding those who wanted to help the brethren who were doing the Lord's work. Now we see his example in verse, in verse, it's actually not verse 12, but in verse 11. His example. In verse 11, John writes to Gaius again saying, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not what? Has not seen God. Which category do you think diatrophies would fit in? The good or the bad? Bad. That's why I call him the ungodly. Diotrephes the ungodly. Because he was not acting according to one who has a relationship with God. One who has by faith seen God. As we see there at the end of verse 11. Does that make sense? So Diotrephes the ungodly. That's his example. He was setting an example of someone who had not seen God. Someone who's not been changed by the gospel of God to live differently. But he was, he was focused on himself. All right, let's see our last uh, church member. Last example in verse 12. It's Demetrius, the godly church member. Not a lot said about him. We just have one verse dedicated to him. But it says, Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness. And you know that our testimony is true. So here's what we see with Demetrius. We see his example. His example was, what do you think, according to verse 11, which was it, good or bad? According to what John says here, it's good. Because it says he has a good testimony from all. And from the truth. So it's not just people who are saying Demetrius is serving the Lord. He's doing good. He is one who has seen God and God has made a difference in his life. But he is one that the truth itself, Jesus and the truth of the gospel, the glorious gospel also affirms Demetrius as one who has a good testimony. Testimony is an authentic witness has seen it themselves. So, his example, and then you see his testimony as well, as I just shared with you. All right. So maybe that that's, uh, makes a little bit of sense. Here's some concluding questions. Some concluding questions. First one is this. What kind of church member are you? What kind of church member are you? That's a good question to evaluate ourselves. Um, and then the next one is likened to it. Who are you the most alike? 
of, of all of these four examples that we find here. Do you remember what they were? John the elder, Gaius the what? Beloved. And then you got Diotrephes the ungodly. And then you got uh, number four, Demetrius the the godly church members. So four examples of church members that are found in this letter. And if you were to evaluate yourself according to each of these, which one would you fall in the category of? Number three is this. What kind of church member do you want to be? What kind of church member do you desire to be? Now, I want to take a moment here and just kind of point out some things to us. Hopefully this is some practical stuff. Um, you know, this, these things all begin, let's say you're like, I want to be a Gaius or I want to be a Demetrius. I want to be a, have a good testimony. Guys, everyone, this can begin in little ways in, among our fellowship by looking for ways to serve one another to put others ahead of each other. And this congregation, in large part, does a great job of this already. Looking out for one another's needs, calling one another, checking on one another. It can even begin in little things like getting up out of our seats and going to talk to people, going and getting to know people in the congregation. Now, here's the way it works sometimes. When you've been here for a while, and maybe you haven't, been as friendly as you think you ought to have been and there's people's names you don't know but yet you've seen them and you've and rather than greeting them by name you might just say hey brother because <laughs> you don't you don't know their name and you kind of get ashamed you know what let's just be a a, a place here to where I, there's a where you might say i don't there's a lot of people's names i don't know i'm just gonna go up and talk to them and i'm gonna say i'm sorry um, but I still don't know your name. Could you please remind me of what your name is? Because I'm trying to get to know people better in a more genuine way. And, and just do it. Just break the ice and go talk to people and get to know them. Here's another way. Our young people out on the basketball court. We play a lot of basketball over here. We have a good time playing basketball. I say we. Y'all have a good time playing basketball. I want to remind you of something. It's not all about any one person when you're out there. When we're over there playing games, when the young people are doing that, it's not about that. If you think about your life in either of these two areas that I've just mentioned, which of the church members most accurately describes us? Are we John the Elder? Are we Gaius the Beloved? Are we Diotrephes, the ungodly, that it's all about me? Or are we like Demetrius, the godly church member? It can begin in little areas as we interact with one another to begin to put on or act out what we want to be as a church member. Really to put on the truth. And uh, that's the next thing that I would bring us to. At some point here, Diotrephes lost his gospel identity. Uh, David Tripp, Paul David Tripp, wrote a book, Lead. I've been listening to that recently. And one of the things that he talks about in there is losing our gospel identity. We exchange a horizontal desire 
for identity. In other words, we want to be identified among people in a certain way. We exchange our vertical identity with God in Christ to try to gain the approval of men and be glorified by men. We, as he says, lose our gospel minds. The gospel is no longer directing and guiding the things and decisions that we make in the church and in life, but rather we're focused on ourselves. So I just want to point that out and, and point out to you how relevant the truth is in this, in this book. At the end of verse 1, whom I love in the truth. In verse 3, and testified of the truth. In verse 3 again, as you walk in the truth. In verse 4, my children walk in the truth. And then to verse 8, become fellow workers for the truth. And then in verse 12, Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. Last question. Are you a church member? Have you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you been converted? Have you heard the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and believed it with all of your heart? And if so, have you confessed Christ as Lord, having believed in your heart? And then as the outward expression of that obedience and that faith followed him in believer's baptism. Well, I hope this message makes a little bit of sense to us today. And I hope it's good for us to evaluate who we are in church life. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you, Father, for your word. And I hope there's been some practical uh, application to that and thinking these things through. Because, Father, I can confess from myself that I can get too focused on Eric. And, Father, perhaps perhaps some others here can get focused on themselves as well. I pray, God, that what we have found here would cause the truth to reign in our lives and to, to continue to make a difference as we interact with each other. And, Father, it has. It has and it is. May it continue to have a greater and greater effect. Lord, I pray that that gospel that saves would be real to everybody here today. If there's anyone, or Lord, shall I say, for any for those who have not yet believed, I pray, God, that they, by grace, through faith today, would be saved. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.